Yeah, that's fun. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I recognize you from Quito, Ecuador, but I thought, I, I thought you were a, a native wearing a loincloth that was coming out of the jungle, but you were, oh, you were part of our team then. I say, well, that's wonderful. Yes, and, and here you are. And there isn't time now uh, to hear the story of how she broke your heart, but uh, so you'll probably want to take me to lunch and tell me that story and, and how you got over that. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for this. I did uh, 42 years at Biola University, and uh, uh, most of that time I was the university chaplain. We are going to be in John chapter 5, and uh, I've seen some with notebooks, uh, so you can start writing right now, and you can probably fill maybe one or two pages by the time we're, we're done. Uh, I was looking at my notes in the early years at Biola, uh, before they got all of their powerful preachers, I taught uh, the Gospel of John. As I was going through uh, my notes and getting ready for this morning, I, I, I kind of smiled because some of my students' assignments and their uh, response to assignments, uh, I had left in this, in this folder. I, I made my class memorize not the entire uh, Gospel of John, but all of the chapters so they knew that on every test that we took would be, uh, uh, they would be asked to identify all 21 chapters of the Gospel of John. And I have students hundreds of years later who remember uh, many of those. They came up, uh, you know students, they came up with uh, uh, much more interesting titles than I would have, and, and I, I just jotted down a couple of them. Now it has 21 chapters, so I'm not gonna bore you with all 21, but, but uh, this one particular guy uh, was very, very creative, and his chapter titles were uh, John 1, uh, it's it's in the beginning was the word and the word was with God so he just called it the living word I thought okay that's good uh, chapter 2 and then chapter 3 and chapter well chapter 2 is the first miracle of Jesus the turning of the water to wine during my chaplain days at Biola we had many discussions on the power of that wine but never so his title was simply John 2 Jesus and the fine wine he kind of liked to to uh, try to be creative John chapter 3 I was eager to get to us to it because I wanted to see someone who could rhyme anything with Nicodemus you can't do that. You will, you'll be trying during the rest of the message, but you cannot do it and, and not cheat. So he just called it uh, Jesus and the trick with Nick. And I gave him credit because I thought, okay, that's close enough. In John chapter 4, Jesus gets to the area of Samaria. I thought he did really well on that, but it was my, my basic idea. John chapter 5... Is, uh, is his original, and I'm using his title this morning, uh, you know, Jesus and the Rule of the Pool. We will talk about that uh, in just a moment. Let's pray and ask God to use his word in our hearts this morning. Thank you, Father, for the living word. 
Thank you for Jesus, who he is, what he has done in our lives. Thank you for uh, your presence today, for the living word of God. We pray that we will be faithful hearers and doers of your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Thank you, God's people. I'm a, this is a great example of old preachers. They just, they never die. They just get froggy, but that's okay. And you're thinking, maybe if you clear your thought, it doesn't get any better, but, but we have a lot of fun with it. So, the, so there we go. So these are very interesting days, dynamic days. Uh, in the lives of the Israelis in John chapter 5. This is very, very early in the life and ministry of our Lord. This was a time uh, where the Romans have the Jews under their thumb. It isn't the Romans that have them under their thumb now, but the Jews have always had a little trouble with their neighbors. So, so the Romans were, uh, were taxing them. They were taxing them uh, to death. They, uh, uh, the Israelis were also uh, very, very discouraged because Josephus, the historian, whom most of us don't have to read unless we've gone to Talbot School of Theology, then we have to read and get a few quotes from Josephus. And Josephus tells us that this isn't very long, and I didn't know this, uh, and, uh, until after a great big fast, a, a famine that took place in the land. So, so they were not doing well financially. And because they were basically farmers, uh, uh, that, that wasn't a real good time. And for 400 years, there had not been a prophet of God who was speaking on behalf of God to the nation of Israel or to anyone for 400 years. No prophet of God to kick around. All of a sudden, out of the boonies, came a guy that you wouldn't invite him to your young fledgling church, Reverend, but, uh, but and, and no one else did either, so he just preached out in the boonies. He, he was kind of a long-haired hippie. Uh, he, uh, he, he, his appearance probably was a little ragtag, and his name, he's the only one with a first, a middle, and a last name. Write this down, class. It will be on the test. He was John the Baptist. And everybody, when they heard John, and he was a little bit crusty. He was a little bit in your face. Like, turn or burn, you rotten. You know, I mean, he was, he was a kind of a gnarly dude. And you wouldn't invite him, usually, into your uh, home Bible study. And people thought, as they heard him say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're looking around, and he's the only one there. To the joy of all Baptists, did you find a pool to baptize people with, or did you just sprinkle them? Right, there we go. Well, John the Baptist had uh, the River Jordan, so that worked out really well. And to the joy of all Baptists everywhere, he was dunking them down, baptizo, to go under the water and getting them ready for the kingdom of heaven, whatever that was. On occasion, people would say to him, you, uh, you're not... We know the Messiah is you're not. And John the Baptist said, no, no. But he's close, and when he comes, I'm not worthy worthy to to untie his uh, his sandals. 
And then one day John the Baptist pointed and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and, well, the boys and girls left. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, then things started to really get exciting because on the scene was this 30 year old carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter from I I don't do music ministry anymore but I just I just remembered that and God forgive me but I just felt God wanted me to pass that along so the the carpenter from Galilee shows up walks right down into the water and says to cousin John King James ye verily thou shouldest baptize me and John to cousin Jesus, no, yo, verily, verily, truly, thou shouldest baptize me. Jesus won the argument, uh, was baptized by cousin John, came up out of the water. The word of God says that the heavens schizoed. At Talbot, you probably took some Greek. Schizo means to tear open. And uh, the heavens opened. The Spirit of God in the form of a dove came down and the Holy Spirit of God uh, took hold of the life and ministry of this 30-year-old carpenter preacher that no one would have suspected and he started to teach the Word of God. I wrote down uh, four quotes. I could have written down ten, but these are very typical of what people were saying, not when Jesus, oh, not when John preached, because John basically was a Turner Burn, the kingdom is coming, you better change. When the Messiah gets here, he's going to stretch your life and you're going to change. But Jesus, as he taught, he had this tremendous power and authority that no one had ever seen. That's why my students were so amazed to think that as Jesus taught, they were listening to the living word of God. Is that exciting or what? And as uh, you know, you will buy a book. I have written no books, but I will sign my tape, okay? But but uh, you, once in a while, you'll buy a book from the guy who actually wrote it, and he'll sign on your cover. Well, listen, they were hearing the original edition. And as Jesus taught, here's what, how people then responded. They listened with great joy at his words. Oh, I smile when I read that and I think, oh, would to God that when I'm opening the word of God, that there's a joy, not only in my life, but power that comes from the word of God. Another, uh, in another gospel, it says, and they marveled at his words. Wow. Did you hear that? We had a guy, we still have, still alive, named J.P. Moreland who teaches philosophy at Biola, really very bright. I still don't get him, but I love him with all of my heart. When he would preach in, in chapel, he would say to me afterward, how did I do? And I said, you were, it was, wow. He said, oh, but did they understand? I said, no, no, really. But they, but they did, but they did. And I would invite him back because he was on the board, okay? He says, and they marveled. It, it isn't that they marvel. Wow, did you hear that word? What does it mean? I have no idea. They marveled because he taught with authority and they got it. Why is it that little kids ran out of the crowd and jumped up on his lap 
It wasn't because her parents said, I'll, uh, I'll double your bar mitzvah or whatever. It's because little kids love somebody who loves them and is communicating truth into their lives. So they marveled. Another one says there was a sense of wonder. And another, in another gospel it said there was a sense among those there was a sense of awe among those who listened. And throughout the four Gospels, as people heard Jesus teach and preach the Word of God, and as they listened, their lives, their lives were never the same. It just wasn't a sense of awe where they walked away from that place and they, and they wished they could hear that again. There was a sense of awe that said, I want, I need desperately what he's teaching. And the word of God says that they said to one another, no one's ever spoken like this. There's power and authority, not like the, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus is on the scene and he's teaching the word of God. And as Jesus teaches the word of God, the word of God is finding a root and seed in those lives and those lives are being changed. Do you want another quote from Josephus? Thank you class. I'll give it to you. This will not will not be on the test. Josephus said that from Dan to Beersheba, Dan is uh, the almost the farthest northern uh, city in the land of Israel. This will be on the test. And Beersheba is kind of the farthest one south. From Dan to Beersheba, uh, Josephus said that you could not find a hungry or a hurting individual. I thought that is an, uh, that's an excellent quote because if they were hungry, he just conned some little kid out of his sack lunch and fed them 5,000, 10,000, 15 with food left over. And if they were hurting, he healed them. How wonderful it must have been, said my students for years, to listen uh, to Jesus teach. That's true. That's a wonderful truth. But how wonderful is the truth in the Word of God that we can have and do have potentially that very same power in our lives. It isn't magic. It's the power of God's Holy Spirit who takes the Word of God, runs it through our lives, cleans us up, thank God, cleans us up, forgives us of our sin, allows us to speak on His behalf. And ladies and gentlemen, as we do that, our world is changed. You say, when are we getting to the text? We're getting there. This is, this is all warm up, but it's all part of the program. So what happens when a life that's gnarly and sinful and crusty is exposed to the truth of the word and they respond? What happens is what happened in this passage of scripture. I go, <clears throat> I'm an old guy. Uh, rather than try to sit and figure, I'll just tell you. You think I'm 100, but I'm only 78. A very, an incredibly youthful 78. I go to all of my high school reunions. Do you know why? I'll tell you, of course, this will not be on the test. Because during my high school years, I was huge trouble in Englewood High. I was an Englewood pirate who actually was a uh, 
Englewood pirate. But I, but during my teenage years, I actually came to a living faith in Jesus Christ. And I would go back to my reunions and tell stories of my students and what's happening in their lives around the world. So they have me. This was not a Christian high school. This was a pagan high school. And I was a typical Englewood pirate. So I'd go back to my high school reunions. Do you want to know what story these these graduates from my alma mater remember? Well, I will tell you because you've never heard this. I know. I'm sure of that. 40 years ago, and these students at these reunions tell this story and have never met this girl. Her name was Sonny. She was a kid that was in drugs before anybody even knew what drugs were all, were all about. And some quiet Christian girls made a pledge to God. Their youth pastor was preaching and said, I dare you to yield your lives to Jesus Christ and open up uh, your life to what he would have you do. And they, they timidly raised their hands. The Spirit of God uh, filled them and uh, they got challenged to witness to some of the gnarly people in the school. Sonny was the gnarliest. She was just, she was a handful of trouble. And uh, time doesn't permit, well, maybe we could have your story and Sonny's later. Well, we'll do it, okay, we'll do it later. Well, to make a long story short, uh, Sonny, in an amazing uh, weekend camp, came to faith in Jesus Christ. Stood, made a pr promise to God at this camp 40 years ago to speak to all of the students at Englewood High, all of those pirates. She ran for a student body office. She was in trouble all the time. She had to get special permission because her grades were horrid, but she was smart as a whip. So there she was. I was there in the auditorium and heard Sonny, this little pagan that now has trusted in Jesus Christ, maybe a month or two ago, standing before 1,100, 1,200 students and in a three-minute speech telling them how she came to know Jesus as their Savior. They did not applaud. They did not even vote for her. In fact, she the, the records show she lost the election. But you know, at the end of her little three-minute message, she said, you're all looking down at the ground. You're embarrassed by what I'm saying, but I'm the greatest friend you will ever have. She sat down she lost the election, and 40 years later, their fathers and grandfathers and wayward uncles are telling the story of this an amazing little chick that had the guts to stand before their whole school. What happens when regular, now you're all exceptional, but regular individuals say to Jesus Christ, I am nothing. Amen. Amen. But you are everything and I need you and your power in my life. Well, that's not only what happened to Asani. Aha says the class. He's getting his glasses glasses ready. We're ready for the text. But it happened to this guy who is actually nameless in John 5, but he is the feature of the rule of, of the pool. Here we go. John chapter 5. 
Sometime later, this is after the area of Samaria, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. You have your choice of seven. I uh, missed that on the test at Talbot, but uh, it's one of the seven. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Verse 3. Here, at this porch area, around this pool, a great number of disabled people used to lie. Look, listen to this motley crew. The, the, bland, the blind the lame and the paralyzed. Now, some of your translations zip you to a marginal reference and say these next few verses are not in the better manuscripts, which is true, but all of the manuscripts included, and you're going to get more for your money because I'm going to tell you even what's in the marginal reference, and this will not be on the test. Here are all these people, these connected pools that are there, and uh, underneath these pools, yes, I have been there in this very area. Yes, I would have gone swimming in the pools, but they're no longer there 2,000 years ago, but the area is still there. And what is the connecting verses that some of them have? Well, I'll read it for you. These people, all of these lame, uh, crippled, blind, maimed people, they waited for the moving of the water for from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up those waters. The first one into the pool after each stirring would be cured of whatever disease he or she had. Do you have the, do you have the picture class? Here it is. Jesus is getting there into Jerusalem. His disciples are not with him. Do you know why? Neither do I. But if you do some research, you read Josephus or whatever, come to me and let me know, and then I'll fatten up the message even more than I do now. Jesus is by himself. He walks into the area. It's a huge connected pool, which underneath at the very bottom, and tradition tells us all about that pool, uh, there was a warm spring, and every once in a while it would start to bubble. I used to call this passage, do you have bubble trouble, but that it just didn't connect. So here's what the tradition says. Uh, from time to time, an angel, and this could have happened, an angel of the Lord stirred the water. People that are gathered around the pools are waiting for the stirring of the water because tradition says that God is doing this and whoever reaches the water first gets healed. Now that's in a sense that's wonderful if you're really athletic or just recently sprained your ankle but these people are old and sick and lame and blind and can't get to the water you probably can beat them there here's the rule of the pool according to tradition and tradition here stinketh all right it's a lousy tradition tradition said the one who is the healthiest gets to the good stuff first whoa if I went from preaching to meddling, which I, which I shall not do because we've barely gotten into the text, we would talk about people who have 
rules that allow the rich to get rich and the poor to get poor. We're not talking about politics here. Here is the Lord Jesus in this city. Everyone else is hustling around this pool to get downtown Jerusalem during feast day because, and I'm not anti-Semitic. I love Jesus who is a Jew and I love the Israeli people. I'm probably a Zionist, but they love to party and everyone is zipping around that porch as fast as they can, but Jesus slows down. The reason we know is that John, who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says that he talked with the people uh, around the pool and he learned some things. Now I'm jumping back into verse 5. An individual was there, uh, had been an invalid for 38 years. I used to preach that this poor yokel had been there 38 years. That's not what scripture says. He's been an invalid for 38 years. I'll give you more for your money because we're not going to get there later in the chapter today. But actually for this guy, not all lame, maimed, crippled people, but for this guy, there was apparently a, a little bit of sin attached to why he had been judged. I say that carefully because Jesus is careful to let people know that not everybody that's lame and blind and crippled is there because of sin in their life or their parents. When Jesus saw him lying there, Jesus walked in the area, spent some time there, went to the area of greatest need. I smile when I say that because I was the area of greatest need and so were you when God the Holy Spirit reached down into our lives through the power of the Spirit of God and touched us and changed us. When he saw him lying there and learned that he'd been this condition a long time, Jesus walked over to the man and he spoke to him <laughs> and he asked this amazing question that none of us would have asked because we probably, well, you're wonderful people, but most will not stop around the lame and the maim and the blind and the crippled because we want to get to the party for heaven's sake. There are only seven feasts anyway, so one of them's half gone already. But Jesus took time to find out who he was and his name, it's interesting to me because Jesus many times knew while he was speaking, people were planning to kill him. And John says not once, but three different times that Jesus stopped, looked over here and said, excuse me, why are you planning to kill me? <laughs> to which they applied, uh, replied, uh, blah, blah. <laughs> but in this particular case, he, he talked with people and he learned what was going on. Whoa, we could... We can learn some lessons in personal evangelism from that, along with learning the history of our people, their hearts, where they are. That's why Tony, who is my buddy that I sip coffee with at least uh, twice a week uh, over at Panera, didn't come this morning. He would always say to me, what do you do a lot of times on Sunday? You just zip in and out. I say, I go to church. Really? 
That's amazing. I said, I'll tell you something even more amazing. I preach. You got to be kidding. This morning I saw him. I was hustling out with my little Panera sandwich and said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to preach. He said, really? You should have told me I ought to come. I said, get in my car. Come on. He said, well, I, I can't. Basically, it bothered him because he didn't think that you'd allow him to sit in your auditorium and smoke. <laughs> and I said, no, we'll take a break and you can go outside with the other half and then, then come. Well, he didn't come back in, but Jesus knew his crowd. He knew he wasn't with a group of evangelicals. He knew that this guy had all kind of sin and problems in his life along with the physical ailment so Jesus spoke to him and he didn't say which would most of us would have said well how did you get here and tell me about this because uh, people do enjoy talking about their I do convalescent hospital uh, ministry not because I love it to be very honest with you but because I've got a buddy who goes on vacation so he wings me in from time to time and uh, people do they kind of enjoy talking about where they've come from Jesus leaned over called him not a name but by name we're not told here what it was and he said to him you've already read it so you know do you wish to get well what a wild question why were they there so that when the angel stirred the artesian waters deep down the end and and the, the, the stirring and the bubbles started to bubble up uh, bubble up to the top whoever got to the water first got healed what a lousy rule what happened was with guys that have been there 38 years in illness and they don't have anybody to help do you wish to get well well he answered as we probably would have and he said well yeah, you know, you're new in town, right? So I'll tell you, uh, I don't have anybody. My relatives were here for a while, but they gave up. I don't have anybody. That water starts to bubble. And see those guys, they're young. They, they'll, I know they'll beat me. I just can't get to the water. You know what the guy's problem was? The guy's probably had multiple problems. But the first was that he wasn't listening to the question. <laughs> the question was the question wasn't uh, have you tried to get to the water the question was do you wish to get well if we sell this tape I'm going to give a buddy of mine at Talbot credit for stealing the question because I think it's so good and so practical let's take uh, ourselves uh, out of this lovely setting let's place ourselves in downtown Jerusalem in the northern entrance let's walk ourselves into the northern entrance uh, entrance which wings out around what was then the temple area and we're there by that water and uh, we are not looking at those individuals that are around the pool we are those individuals Jesus comes in and he's smiling and he comes right to us and he calls us by name we say do you know me he says I I know you and he says to this guy and he says to us do you wish to get well my buddy from Talbot reworded it this way and I think it's so good he knew a little Greek I know a little Greek too but that's about as far 
he said the, the question could have come out like this do you have the courage to change here's another way of listening and hearing it if I says Jesus to you and to me if I reach down into the depth of your life into the biggest hurtingest part of your life and by my grace alone touched you and healed you do you have the courage to change because says Jesus you will never be the same so when you decide you let me know and then Katie bar the door your life is going to be exciting you heard of a little chick named Sonny in Englewood High? Well, it'll be your, your life will be greater than that. You will impact lives all over the world. Do you wish to change? Do you have the courage? When Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus, crooked little tax collector, Luke chapter 19, more for your money, look it up, it'll be extra credit, class after, after class. He's a little guy up the tree, he's a Jew, but he's collecting for the Roman, everyone hated him, and he was crooked. And Jesus called him by name, not a name, hey, you little criminal, but hey, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree, why? Because I'm coming to your house. But then when I touch your life, you're going to have to stop cheating people. You're going to have to give them back their money. And you're going to make God's who's who. Are you ready? All right, Zacchaeus, get on out of that tree. There's a blind guy over in Matthew a few uh, chapters later. And Jesus says to them as he calls him out of the crowd, what do you want me to do for you? That's pretty clear. The guy says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. You've got it. What happened to that man? We don't know. We don't know. It doesn't matter because if you have a preacher like me, uh, he makes up stories and it takes, takes 10 more minutes. But only God the Holy Spirit knows. And in your life, when God the Holy Spirit says to you, I know you. I know you. I know where you're hurting. I know where you're struggling. I know that you know a lot of truth about me, but I want you to know me as Lord, as Savior, as Master of your, I wanna make your life a miracle. I, I think I'd like that. Well, you have the courage to change, because if you do, your life will never be the same. With this, I close. I used to use that at, at uh, chapel at Biola, and it was always good for five more minutes. She's smiling. Yeah, you're right. She says five more. Okay, okay. Uh, in John chapter 9, uh, you got this guy, and he's blind. And it's, an, it's, it's too good a sermon to re refer to quickly, but I will anyway. And in his blindness, his ears are sharp, and he hears rustling, and he, he's coughing the dirt from the road of the crowd and he knows somebody a major feature is coming why it's Jesus and he hears the word Jesus and he and he senses that great crowds are there and he senses Jesus is getting closer the ones who know the Bible know what's coming here's a blind man waiting for Jesus to get there a couple of his buddies yelled out Jesus 
Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Not this guy. He just wants Jesus to get a little bit closer. Then he hears voices. He wishes it was Jesus, but it's not. It's the disciples, the duh, disciples of Jesus who had not yet gelled. And as I read them, I think, thank God they're there. It shows that God takes gnarly, crusty people and uses them anyway. And they ask a question as they're pointing to the blind man. Whose man uh, caused this man, whose sin caused this man's blindness? And Jesus says, hear me, class, because this is the concluder. Jesus said, oh. No one's sin, no parents, no one's sin caused this man's blind, blindness. Listen, guys, this man is here, you're here, I'm here, he's here for this reason, that the awesome works of God might take place. And they say, whoa. And you say, what in the world happened? That's your assignment this afternoon. Take a nap. And then read John chapter 9. But I'm telling you, the blind man ends up seeing and he's never the same. Do you wish to get well? Do you have the courage to change? Could it be? We don't care the size of the crowd or the lack of the size of the crowd or the lack of the size of the preacher. What we care about is the potential of the awesome power of God. What if in your life and mine we said, do it, Lord? Well, you're never going to be the same. It scares me, Lord, but you do it. And he does it. You know what happens? What happens is the story of Sonny is told year after year. And you and your friends and your family. Do you wish to get well? Yes, Lord, I do. Are you ready for a huge change to come about? I don't know. Well, get ready, because your life will never be the same. Lord Jesus, take your word and change us. Stir us. Cause us to respond to your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.